Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Snell Nation. Today is the 20th anniversary of September 11th, the attacks that happened on September 11th, 2001. And I was watching um, just some clips from uh, different speakers and presentations. And um, of course, we had um, our former president, uh, George Bush. Uh, George W. Bush, who uh, gave his spiel um, and talked about the event and talked about terrorism in general. Um, he even tried to connect the tissues between um, September 11th, what happened on that on that terrible day with what happened on January the 6th. Um, so comparing an absolute disaster that resulted in the deaths of nearly 3000 people to a uh, a violent riot that took place at the Capitol, but um, it it that seems to be just one of the talking points. Um, so it it seems like every political official or celebrity or whoever um, has to take a jab at that. You know, has to bring that up. Um, it's like it's a uh, some it's in their contract or something. So I, I wasn't really surprised by that, um, but it. It was interesting listening to, to a lot of this, and it was the same thing uh, when it was the five-year anniversary, the 10-year anniversary, the 15-year anniversary. Here we are at 20 years, um, and a lot of people, of course, they'll, they'll focus on the lives lost, which which they should, uh, which makes perfect sense, including um, all those first responders um, that uh, s slowly died off be over the past 20 years, um, individuals that were working um, uh, on ground zero, um, many of them were, were told at a certain point that the air was, was breathable. If they use certain masks, they'll be, they'll be fine. And many of them, um, contracted a lot of respiratory issues. Um, and there were a lot of legal battles over, um, who was going to pay for their, their medical bills and, 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 um, their, their lost wages and, um, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, that's where there was some, some, bright spots where some celebrities stood up like John Stewart and a few other individuals um, that pushed the issue because um, someone had to do it. Unfortunately, there was some resolution there. But there's a big piece of this that it, it, it seems like we can't really um, we can't go down that road. Um, ever since the 9-11 the Commission, once they made their conclusion, um, and publish their findings, if you can call it that. Um, any conversation that deviates outside of what's in um, what's in that uh, in that product is immediately written off. It, it, it conspiracy theory. It's not worth talking about. You know, so let's just move on. And I still remember, you know, where I was when all this happened. I mean, I, I was a sophomore at Kent State. Um, and I was waiting for uh, one of my classes to start. If I remember correctly, it was um, uh, elementary Spanish one. And I was just waiting around in the lobby and some people were standing around on TV. I'm watching, you know, and I, I see um, they showed footage of uh, the first plane hitting the tower. And I was very bewildered. I thought maybe it was some some new movie or something that was coming out or something. There's just no way this could be real. Um, and then when the second plane hit, 
Um, I, people were panicking. People were like literally running off campus, getting in their cars, trying to hurry up and get home to their to their families, <clears throat> to their parents. Um, there were people that were talking about it being the end of the world, and Osama bin Laden is the Antichrist, and this is it. This is the end of everything. You know, yada, yada, yada. And I, I was just trying to just take it all in and trying to understand exactly what's happening because it was so confusing. There were so many reports coming from our mainstream media at that time. And it was just, you know, you know, the first, first plane hits this tower. The second plane hits this tower. All right. Now, now the Pentagon's been hit. Now there's, there's a plane head for the white house. All the, I mean, people were going crazy and I just sat for a minute and I just took some time to, to think. Um, and at that time, I mean, I was pretty young. I mean, you know, 19 years old. I'm still trying to just figure out who I am and, and my place in the world. Um, uh, but this this moment was definitely uh, shocking. Um, it really was. And um, I ended up joining the uh, the National Guard um, not too long after that. I actually joined on uh, Valentine's Day uh, 2002. Um, a lot of people assumed it was just, okay, you joined because it was September 11th. And well, not exactly. I joined um, more so because of the things I saw in the past with natural disasters, that sort of thing. Um, and this just added to that. And I saw, hey, well, if there's an opportunity for me to step up and, and help my community, you know, let me make sure that I'm in a position to do that. Um, and it's much easier being a service member and going out there and contributing as opposed to being a civilian um, trying to uh, lend a hand. It's a bit more complicated. So, I mean, that was my motivation. But in the midst of all this, I, I still couldn't help but just see some subtle similarities as time moved forward. Uh, once we started to go into 2002 and then, you know, then the then the invasion of Iraq and then and then Afghanistan. Um, I just didn't there were so many things that just didn't make sense to me. And I've learned that, you know, there's a lot of um, great lessons from the past, you know, for those that are willing to, to, to read and, and just take a moment to look into it. Because so many things feel familiar and a lot of us feel it like I, this feels like deja vu. I, I feel like there's something about this. I feel like I, I saw this somewhere or I read this somewhere or or something or I experienced this or something. Um, but I started to look back and I couldn't help but look back at uh, and once the invasions happened in Iraq and Afghanistan based off of like next to no real intel, which we later found out it was it was trash. It wasn't even really intel. Um, I went back and I looked at, OK, well, you know, why did we enter World War One? What exactly was happening at that time? You know, and that sparked my curiosity about the president of that time, Woodrow Wilson, uh, who was just uh, smart, very intelligent, um, but a bit of a racist and uh, definitely, definitely was all about the corporations um, before before it was cool. Uh, he was he was all in. I mean, that's that's the guy who gave us uh, the uh, Federal Reserve Act of 1913, uh, which kind of helped us bring us to our current wage slave state. But uh, I'll save that for another time. 
but I had to look back because I couldn't recall, like, you know, why did we get in, into World War One? And, you know, and I had to look and it's like, oh, that's right. It was the sinking of the Lusitania um, in May 1915. And during that time, the uh, it was very, you know, pro-American, America first. And, you know, there was a focus on the homeland and, and our infrastructure. And, you know, we need to focus on getting things right here. Um, but of course, there were opportunities, you know, and, I, and I'll use the term opportunities, but understand that, you know, th these are these are terrible opportunities. These are sinister opportunities, but still opportunities for people to make money um, with uh, foreign interference, you know, or foreign uh, intervention. You know, so and this was another opportunity. So this ship is sunk and the death toll was one thousand one hundred ninety eight people. The ship was sunk by a German U-boat, and it helped shift public opinion. Uh, during that time, immediately after this happened, um, there were more uh, publications just uh, displaying Germans in, in, a, in a terrible light or, or displaying them as evil gorillas and, and vicious monsters. And you'll, you'll start to see a pattern here as I walk through World War II just a little bit and then to the present. Um, but there was just this this um, very dark uh, sentiment that was woven into uh, the American consciousness at that time um, to the point where then people went from being against the concept of uh, foreign intervention or interventionism and wanted to focus on just staying in the homeland and, in, and improving this country, improving the United States. It turned into like a, a bloodlust that, you know, we, we have to, you know, get revenge and, you know, and, and we have to you know, have to take down these guys and yada, yada, yada. And Woodrow Wilson, after being reelected and, and winning primarily due to his promise to, to keep us out of the war, um, he completely pulled a 180. And next thing you know, we were we were in it just like that. You know, so. It was just one of those things I found interesting about World War One, and then you go to World War Two, and most people know this. Okay, well, why do we get? Why do we enter World War Two? I mean, there there are a couple of reasons, but the primary one is Pearl Harbor, and the, the death toll there, uh, two thousand four hundred and three people were killed, and this was during a uh, well bombing runs. Um, by the Imperial Japanese uh, Navy Air Service. And when you read about this stuff, um, in this case, they'll call it, you know, it was a surprise attack by the Japanese. It was a surprise attack. Surprise, surprise, surprise. But in, in 2002, there were uh, naval records that were released that showed that it, it wasn't a surprise. From November 17th to November 25th, the, uh, the U.S. Navy intercepted 83 messages going from the, uh, the Japanese uh, Naval Service uh, Marshal Admiral uh, Yamamoto uh, to his carriers. And it had de full details in there. And I say again, I have to throw this these captions in there. You know, I have to throw these disclaimers like this stuff is in the public domain. I found this in just a few minutes. You can see the naval records 
you can see the postmark dates. You can you can verify all the information, the statements that are made in there. It's right there in black and white. So the the, the warnings were there. Someone or some individuals um, decided to ignore it, or maybe they didn't share it with the president. Um, but there's a lot of evidence that that uh, says that they did. That FDR was fully aware, um, but did nothing and left this naval base uh, defenseless. Or I wouldn't say defenseless, but just they just didn't know. They didn't know what was coming. They they didn't. If they would have received a warning, and considering Pearl Harbor happened on December the seventh, and they were intercepting messages, what three four weeks before. It actually happened, you know, if they would have just been put on some sort of alert, I don't know. Who knows? It may have worked out differently, but we'll never know. You know, so that event happens. Next thing you know, boom, we're in we're in World War Two. Um, and of course, prior to that event happening, prior to all the marketing and the propaganda and everything to get that that uh, that vengefulness back in us to get us united as a nation under vengeance, <laughs> you know, I, the sentiment was once again, you know, America first, let's focus on our, on our homeland. Let's focus on our people. Let's focus on this and that and, and, and bettering ourselves and let's stay away from being involved in foreign affairs. Then that event happened. Then there was the propaganda push. Then there was the demonization of the Japanese and the Germans yet again, and more grotesque literatures and depictions of Japanese, you know, decapitating American babies and all kinds of crazy stuff. And it worked. It either made people incredibly angry or incredibly fearful of people that they most have never even met before. And there you go. Public opinion was, was shifted. And then next thing you know, boots on ground, people are ready to rock and roll. You know, so you'll see you'll see these patterns where there is an opportunity for foreign intervention, an opportunity to make money. Some terrible thing happens. And then um, the the culprit is immediately identified, you know, immediately. Um, and then next thing you know, boom, war, you know, just like that. Um, and these decisions that are being made by the, the rich and the old. And then the, the young and the poor get to do a lot of the fighting and dying in a lot of these situations. It seems to be the way it works out. So World War One, World War Two. Now let's get to um, let's get to uh, something a bit more current. You know, so September 11th, you know, a tragic moment in our history, incredible loss of life. I mean, people were terrified. People were panicked, you know, and people just wanted to get past that moment in time any way possible. So before that event happened, once again, people were focused on improving this country. Wanted to get away from um, uh, meddling in foreign elections and all these foreign coups that our CIA likes to get involved in and all that kind of stuff. And, and people just wanted us to focus on, on this country and let the whole foreign intervention stuff just go. Just just give it a break. Plus, our track record shows that we're terrible at it. We, we're just, just god-awful at it. <laughs> Nation building everything, we're just the worst. So just stay away from it. 
But then 9-11 happened. And once again, it was a lot of fear, panic, hysteria. Um, I mean, it was shock and awe. And then, of course, we had our mainstream media because this isn't the 1940s anymore. Now we've got uh, 24-7 news. You know, this is 2001. So it's just it was constant on every channel. You couldn't get away from it. I mean, either you're listening to um, just random uh, experts uh, talk about the uh, destabilization of the region and, 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 and what terrorists can put bombs in and all that kind of stuff and how scared you should be. Um, and then you had other people talking about unity and, and all that stuff in one hand, but then the other hand, revenge, revenge, revenge. Um, and I remember shortly after I joined the military, seeing people, both both uh, government employees, mil- uh, military service members, members, civilians, you know, just just so much anger and hatred. And I, you know, I had to, people were throwing out racial slurs and stuff for people from the Middle East. And I'm listening to that. And it's like, well, you do understand that not all of them are terrorists, right? You, you do get that. Yeah, and I've had to talk to people about this now, and it's 20 years now that have passed. <laughs> and people will still slip into that, that, that anger and that hatred, and they have no idea why they feel that way, or they're, they're not really going to take the time to explore why they feel that way. You know, but once again, the event happens, fear, hysteria, and then it transforms into anger, hatred, and vengefulness. And I listen to so many people that wanted revenge. And of course, when you have the mainstream media saying, hey, when when the planes hit the towers, there were people over in Queens that are, you know, of Middle Eastern descent that were clapping and applauding and yada, yada. Do you have proof of that? Well, no. But a friend of a friend of a guy whose cousin's mother's roommate actually saw a guy that he thinks looked Middle Eastern clapping and applauding when it, you know, I mean, it was stuff like that. And then that bloodlust came in and, and that vengefulness came in. And what do you know? You know, it, it, we're ready to rock and roll and, and take it to them and bomb this person and bomb that person based on what? You know, oh, weapons of mass destruction um, in Iraq. You know, we got to go in and take that Saddam guy that, you know, uh, that we kind of helped install there. <laughs> Not too, you know, so many years into the past, but we tend to forget about that part. And yeah, we have to take him down. He's hurting his own people, you know, and he's got all this stuff there and he's got he could strike Washington with a with a, you know, with a nuclear arsenal. And I mean, there was just it was just madness. And of course, we had our political officials and they had their their military advisors and I'll put that in quotes advisors providing them with intel. Um, At least that's what they like to call it. Um, And that's what they base it on. And of course, it goes belly up. They don't find anything and no one goes to jail. No one, no one, at least from what I could tell in my research, no one really got fired or faced any, uh, anything, no, no lawsuits, no, no threats of jail time or prison or, um, no serious congressional hearings that really amounted to anything other than the occasional grandstanding here and there. Um, but no one was really held accountable. I mean, the, the actions or the inaction of leadership resulted in the deaths of 3,000 people. Now, people like to focus on the terrorists, the terrorists, the terrorists, terrorists and, I, and I'll get to that part in a minute. But 
What about the people that were in, in charge and were sleeping on the job? We're talking about areas in this country that have the most fortified, the most heavily defended, the most widely monitored airspace and on the planet at that time on the planet. And even today, how did this happen? And the 9-11 commission, I mean, they put on a good show, but they didn't really dig into that. It was more of a, Hey, it happened in um, Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. All right. Well, that's it. We don't need to follow the money or anything or dig into any of that stuff. So anyway, take care. Bye. You know, that was, that was pretty much there. I mean, they, they left out a lot of stuff, a lot of uh, unanswered questions, a lot of testimonies from people that were on the ground and different things that they saw pretty much anything that went against the mainstream approved narrative was written off. And if you, if you think censorship is bad now, you know, try trying to uh, get the truth out in 2002, you know, you, you don't have, you know, YouTube hasn't taken off yet. You know, you don't have all the, the, the Twitter and the Facebook and the Instagram and the Snapchat and the, and all that stuff and bit shoot and all those other secondary avenues, you know, as far as getting information out there, we didn't have that. You know, so which is why I, I also chuckle a little bit when people talk about the, the left and their, and their censorship and that they're fascists and yada, yada, yada. It's like, yeah, but if you go back to 2002, 2003, there were a lot of people on the right that acted the exact same way. They just didn't have the same tools or methods, um, but they wanted to do the same thing. They wanted to shut down opposition. Anyone that was speaking out against the uh, um, the invasion slash kind of occupation of, of Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, so yeah, same story, you know, different day, you know, but no one, no one was really held accountable. The, the president, vice president, um, they were questioned, but it was in secret. There weren't any cameras. There were no recording devices, um, no audience. Um, and they weren't even under oath when they were questioned. And they weren't questioned separately. They, they were questioned together, I believe. So, I mean, it, it was a whole it was a whole bunch of nothing. But that matters just as much as the terrorists that committed the crime. You know, how did they do it? You know, how did we uh, did these organizations that were supposed to defend us fail us? And I'm looking at you, NORAD. And NORAD is the uh, North American Aerospace Defense Command, you know, so and that's another odd thing that they don't really go into. They don't talk about the um, the six six exercises that were scheduled for that day, many of them involving hijacked airplanes crashing into monuments and, and specific buildings, including um, those towers. They don't really go into that and how confusing it was for air traffic and controllers and other personnel work for the Navy trying to track down, I'm sorry, the Air Force trying to track down, you know, which planes are hijacked. It was a very confusing and frantic morning for so many of them. But the, the 9-11 Commission doesn't really touch on that. You know, no one really talks about that aspect of it because apparently we can't dig into, you know, how exactly something happened and who's who's responsible, like who who failed to do their job. Nope, we only can talk about those evildoers, you know, and those terrorists. 
who were mostly Saudis. So I'm not completely sure how that works out to, hey, go after Iraq, go after Afghanistan. Um, but it is pretty clever, you know, and it, it, it says a lot about our culture as a whole, just how, how easy it is for us to jump on board with something and someone can can just give you just nothing really. <laughs> but hey, you know, they're just, they're all brown people. So there's brown people here. There's brown people there. It's pretty close, you know, it's pretty close to Saudi Arabia. So it's pretty much, it's the same tomato, tomato, you know, just, just invade them all, you know, well, except Saudi Arabia. There's, we have our connections there, but you know, let's, let's beat up those weaker, um, mostly dysfunctional countries with people that we installed for the most part. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's a, it's an absolute sham. It's a travesty. There's a better word. It's, it's a travesty, you know? So we have these, uh, these hijackers, you know, and how do they identify some of them? Well, they conveniently found passports that were just laying on the ground, you know, at ground zero, because when the planes flew in and exploded and it was burning at like, you know, a thousand degrees, uh, somehow the, the, clean crisp and clean passports fell to the ground for some um uh, local police officer to find you know so there it is we know exactly who did it within within hours of the event happening we know exactly who to go after then we've got our propaganda spin getting everyone all worked up and either feel fearful or vengeful or both so we can sway public opinion so then people are perfectly fine with foreign interventions Eh. Hey, we got to go. We got to get those guys. And this whole like, hey, final Osama bin Laden. I mean, that ran for years and somehow they just kept missing him. Oh, he, he's in the mountains in Afghanistan. Oh, wait, no, he's hiding over here. He's hiding over there. And of course, in, in 2011, they find him in, a, in uh, our president at that time. Uh, Obama got to. Uh, you know, claim that as one of his achievements. You know, we, we got the mastermind of the 9-11 t- attacks. We've got, we got them, you know, and people cheered. And, um, and I still remember that day I was actually driving. Um, I was coming back from, uh, uh, where did I go? Oh, from Virginia beach. I was driving back and, um, uh, my friends started texting me and, um, they were just, they were so happy and my question to them was like, okay, well, I, all right, I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, I, I'm, I'm not exactly overjoyed because I know there's more to this than that. And it's more than just one man. Um, and Hey, did, did we see the footage? Did we see all the footage? Did we see him, you know, killed or anything brought to justice, a picture of his lifeless body or anything like that? I don't recall seeing any of that. He was actually granted a secret um, uh, burial at sea. We didn't get to see any of that. We didn't. We didn't. We didn't get to confirm any of it. We just have to um, accept the words of known liars, crooks, thieves, and degenerates, and we're just supposed to accept that. And you know, might I add the the SEAL team, SEAL Team Six, that was involved in that incursion and in um, uh, that. Uh, assault on his, I don't know what you call it. It's, it wasn't, it obviously wasn't a palace. It was like a living quarters or something like that. It was like a small neighborhood or something. Um, but 
he was killed on May the 2nd, 2011. Then on August the 6th, 2011, uh, there was a helicopter crash in Afghanistan that killed um, 20, 20 Navy SEALs from that SEAL Team 6. You know, which is another one of those odd things. You know, when you look at a lot of big moments, um, uh, I always like to look at, okay, well, what happened, you know, a few months before and what happened a few months after? And a lot of times you'll find a lot of odd coincidences, I guess. Um, But it's just it's an incredibly sad uh, track record that our federal agencies have. And our uh, our branches of government, and for whatever reason, people are afraid to uh, to criticize and to analyze. When as, as citizens, since the government, since they 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 work for us, the taxpayer, we fund them, so we should do a review to see exactly what their intentions were on certain events, certain moments in time, and what the results were. And if we make a determination that we aren't satisfied with the results, like, I don't know, um, your actions resulted into the death, uh, uh, into the uh, deaths of uh, 3,000 people, and massive destruction, and trillions of dollars in debt, and wars that led to absolutely nothing then we should be able to demand some changes to be made if it's our government. Now, I know there are some people that think that that's just crazy talk, and I, I believe that's um, because they many don't want to admit it because they're in denial, but it, it isn't our government. It, it, just, it just isn't. Whoever funds their their campaigns and gives them all their donations that kind of stuff the owners and donors the wheelers and dealers the the mega corporations they're the ones that own the apparatus and the institutions within that apparatus and we just kind of hang around and play a part in the illusion of choice the illusion of freedom now we could get back to having you know actual freedom and actual control over over our lives um, but it would require us to um, to step up and actually fulfill our duties as citizens instead of outsourcing it. I mean, we've become accustomed to that. You know, once we vote, then we just kind of give up and we just walk away. Um, and if that politician does things like 99% of them tends to do, they do things that we don't approve of um, or they turn things into laws that a majority of us would never be on board with. But. The corporations are on board with it. So, you know, which is why legislation tends to lean in their favor um, at least three quarters of the time. The only time we get what we want is if it somewhat aligns with what the elites want, what the corporations want, what they need. You know, but we just continue to nod our heads and we just ignore things that are just sitting right in our faces you know, I'm no historian. You know, I, I do like to read. I like to do research on certain things. Sure. Um, but a lot of the fact checking, <laughs> I try not to say that too often, but the fact checking and the, the get the data gathering 
it doesn't take me that much time. I mean, there's some foundations there because I had to study some of this stuff in the past and in school. Sure. You know, but so many of us are afraid, uh, maybe afraid of uh, the truth, uh, especially if there's a possibility that it could be horrifying. It could force you uh, to have to face things that you've been avoiding and ignoring for decades. It could put you in a situation where you'll have to actually challenge your beliefs, you know, challenge things that um, you've made a part of your identity. And I say that that's a that's a good thing. It's a good thing to, to challenge yourself and challenge your beliefs and your philosophies from time to time. That's that's where the growth comes in. What is it? Growth begins where your comfort zone ends. Taking the time to reevaluate where you stand on certain positions to make sure you're on, the, uh, I'll say it, on the right side of history or on the right side of a topic. Instead of just being the same person for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, the exact same person, the exact same uh, uh, perspectives on different topics, not welcoming in new credible factual information that may sway or shift your position because I'm, I'm 39 years old and I have, uh, I have my perspectives. I have my feelings on different things. Um, but I do remain open. I remain active. I, my mind remains active. I take in uh, fresh information all the time and I'll take the time to digest that information and make a determination if it's worthy to, uh, shift my, my position on something. And I've, that's happened to me uh, plenty of times over the years. But that just seems to be like a thing of the past, kind of like critical thinking and um, uh, uh, the scientific method and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's that's yesterday's news. We're not supposed to, you know, those are dead concepts. We're only supposed to do as we're told um, and, and then pretend like we're free on the holidays, you know, and that kind of stuff. And and pretend like democracy is a real thing and that we're still a constitutional republic rather than the totalitarian oligarchy that we truly are. Um, but no, that's, that's crazy. Anyone who, who says those things is crazy. So anyway, those are just some of my thoughts. You know, I, I've, I've sat back and just every year there'll be something done to commemorate um, September 11, 2001. And they'll cover a lot of the same things. Now, some of it matters. Like I said before, it's important to remember those that uh, those that passed, uh, those that died, those that were murdered, certainly. Um, but it's also important that we understand exactly how um, these events happened and how we can ensure that they never happen again. And I'm, I'm afraid to say that, you know, I don't I don't think we're asking the right questions. Um, because there are so many answers, you know, that that we need that here we are 20 years in that we haven't received. And I believe what's going to happen is similar to um, World War Two. You know, a couple more decades will pass and then someone will uh, be able to reach out. And in this case, like in World War Two, uh, they were able to get some naval records released showing um, FDR and showing members of his administration receiving intel uh, from the Navy, those 83 messages 
um, that were intercepted that gave warning several weeks before the event happened. I think it's going to be the same thing here. 10, 20 years from now, there's going to be some, you know, some Freedom of Information Act or something, and some documents are going to be released. And it's so much time it passed that people are just going to like, eh, you know, kind of like how the, you know, documents are released every 10 to 15 years showing the CIA did experiments on U.S. citizens or the CIA, you know, uh, 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 ousted a democratically elected president in some South American country. Pick one because they, they've hit quite a few of them, actually, you know, and we just we just shrug our shoulders. We just we just shrug it off. No big deal. And in this case, this event killed 3000 people, uh, U.S. citizens in this country. And then caused a ripple effect that killed thousands of soldiers that were deployed over to Afghanistan and to Iraq. Over the past 20 years. And then also, let's not forget about the uh, millions of Afghan and Iraqi citizens that were impacted by this. Those that died and those that were displaced and became refugees because their cities were bombed to you know, smithereens. You know, I, I think that we need to take the time to actually dig into these things. These are the things that are important. You know, these are the things that should be at the, the top of the list. And of course, the number one is separating big business and big government and then shrinking, reducing government powers uh, drastically immediately. But we should take the time to look at these events and demand that people be held accountable. If we're going to just wander around and, and on the 4th of July, talk about how free we are and, and democracy and the Constitution, this, the Constitution, that, you know, perhaps, you know, the, the 300 million people, um, those that, that claim that, you know, we the people um, should should maybe demand true freedom and issue that demand in, in, in words and in actions. So anyway, I wanted to keep this one a little shorter than previous ones on the previous podcast, but you know, I can't, you know, of course I can't let, um, this 20 year anniversary just go by, um, without saying something about it and speaking my mind. Um, so those of you that listened to me before, I'm sure you're not uh, surprised by anything that I've said. Um, but, you know, as always, thanks a lot for listening in. Uh, I'm going to jump off. I appreciate, of course, the feedback. And, you know, I, I, I check all my emails, <laughs> the email that well, I try to catch all of them that come in. I try to respond to everyone. You know, thank you so much. Continue to feed me that information, especially my friends over in Australia. You know, I know you guys are having a hard time because your government's completely lost it. They're about two years ahead of us um, with their transition into fascism. But hang in there, you know, stick together and understand that there's power in numbers. Um, And thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Snell Nation out.